Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. God's Word calls upon the follower of Jesus Christ to be honest about themselves. We are to judge ourselves, and we are to be prepared to execute judgment on that which is in us, which is of the flesh. In Romans 8, we learn that we're to put to death the deeds that are done in the flesh through the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easier for me to address bad habits and actions, but I find it more challenging to deal with bad attitudes. Those burrow down deeper into me. But self-judgment must expose the attitudes that guide our actions— and bring them under the prosecution of the Spirit of God. Two attitudes we address today that are all too common in our religion are those of contempt and resentment. Get your swords ready. By the way, in thinking about this, I struck upon a note that would contradict this. There is an idea in in psychology that what produces contempt towards others is it's almost always produced by self-condemning people. In other words, when a person is self-condemning and they're hard on themselves, they're most contemptuous towards others. They have some contempt for what they do, but they express it by having contempt towards others. And the remedy, they say, is a higher self-esteem. If we just had a higher self-esteem about ourselves and thought more highly of ourselves, we would be less contemptuous towards others. Now, let me just say, in my own experience, I don't think that works. My own judgment is that I'm getting pretty high in the perch about what I think of myself when I start thinking lowly of others. But I think, I think to some extent, there's something true about this. You see, the self-condemner is actually quite a proud person at heart. They're so proud that they can't even give themselves a break for their own expectations, and so they don't give anyone else a break either. A more positive self-esteem isn't going to be the lasting remedy for this kind of contempt and this kind of self-condemnation. The remedy is to be brought before a holy God and broken before Him and then being forgiven by Him. It's bowing and surrender to God's holy ways and knowing that it's only by His power and His grace that we can live the life that God would have us live. It's getting lost in the good news of Jesus Christ that He loves sinners and he's died to save them, and his grace redeems them. And he did this all because he found a worth in them that we could never understand or explain, and he found it in you, regardless of, well, you measure your performance, good or bad. And such an attitude will help you see the worth in others, regardless of how they perform, good or bad. Hate the sin, but see in the sinner one who is worthy, made in God's image, precious to him, You should hate the sin, but you should remain loving the sinner, for there is no contempt in love, and there is only contempt in a spirit of superiority. Have I somehow counted my spiritual performance as an expression of my superior access and my superior performance, and not an expression of the rich grace that you poured out on me, unworthy as I am? Have I counted some as less than worthy? Of the blood that was shed? We have to ask ourselves these things. The answer for contempt is a brokenness and self-emptying before God and a confession of our own pride. Now here's another one. The first I want to give you here is Luke chapter 6 verse 28. Where Jesus says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. 
And here's the attitude I want to encourage you to search out in self-judgment. The attitude is resentment. Resentment. A.W. Tozer makes this very startling statement, and it should get your attention. Listen to this for a moment. I have never heard the word resent used by a victorious person. And by that he meant he had never heard a person living in spiritual victory through Jesus Christ who used the word to describe their own emotions. He goes on to say this, that, quote, resentment simply cannot dwell in a loving heart. Before resentment can enter, love must take its flight and bitterness take over. The bitter soul will create lists of slights at which it takes offense and will watch over itself like a mother bear over her cubs. The resentful heart is always surly and suspicious like a mother bear. The acrimony of defending ourselves, the miserly heart that gathers in around defending itself and our rights and our reputation and adding up the insults that others have caused us and their accusations and the misery they bring in their life is not an expression of a light to the world of the tender love of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, who said to us and taught us to say, as he said, forgive them for they know not what they do, who gave us the example of someone like Joseph who said to those who had abused him and cast him into a pit, What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Understand that the enemy of our souls cannot touch us without God's permission. Here's a remedy for resentment, folks. Here's a remedy for resentment. Understand that the enemy of our souls cannot touch us without God's permission. And so no one can lay their words against you or their hands against you or their attitudes against you, but that God in love allows it in order to drive us away from any confidence in ourselves or any confidence in others and to drive us to put all of our confidence and all of our life before Him so that in Him we might find the deepest answers to our deepest spiritual needs. But when we don't come to God, when we don't come to Him and pursue Him, we deny ourselves the ministry of this freedom and this love and this grace And when we go to ourselves and we go to get our vindication from others and we go to get our affirmation from others, frankly, in life, at some point in time, it's not going to come to you and you're not going to receive it. And in its place, it's going to grow the seeds of bitterness and resentment. But when you do go to God, He opens to you His love. He forgives you and washes you and cleanses you and then He opens up before you His love for others. And the love that he has for the very ones who may be abusing you. When we're driven to God, we find a holy God who foremost and above everything else makes a place to receive us by forgiving us of our sins. And this becomes so significant. This becomes so profoundly important to the one who comes to him. Not to the world to get their benefits and not from others to get their accolades. But goes to God. This becomes so significant and so wonderful and so overwhelming that it immediately forces from our hands the resentment that we have towards others. And it immediately forces from our hands forgiveness towards all others. My my being forgiven by God and received by Him 
is so wonderful and so profound that it, it levels the field around me towards any accusation that anyone else bears towards me. But resentment returns when we forget God's great forgiveness to ourselves and His great readiness to forgive others. Resentment returns when we disallow the love of a sovereign God who works all things together for our good. When we don't understand that whether we know it or not, God is in this and God is working and God is preparing and God is bringing a work in our lives to bring us closer and closer to himself. And resentment returns when we deify our rights and when we begin to suggest that we actually know better than God about how things ought to be happening and what ought to be taking place and our difficulties, and our trials. Some have actually suggested that the hardest sin for a person to see is the sin of resentment. We nurse ourselves into an almost pure state of self-pride and self-pity that blinds us to our miserly, loveless attitude towards others who we think have ruined us. And by the way, at the back of all of our resentment, ultimately, if you're thinking it through, and you still hold to it, is a resentment towards God. He hasn't delivered the way you want Him to deliver. He hasn't brought to you whatever it is you think that you deserve, and you're holding God to an account when God has given you and shed His own blood for you to wash you and cleanse you and bring you to Himself. And it's, it's ironic and it's sad and it's untrue. And in the state of resentment, We deaden the ground around us and we poison our life with our disappointments. And someone, I think it was Spurgeon, who said that resentful people end up dying and the only thing green in their life is the grass that grows over their graves. We don't want to be in that place. We don't want to live with this kind of deadening resentment in our hearts. I believe, although some have said that this is the most difficult sin to see, I believe the Spirit of God can lead us to judge ourselves in just this place. And God can release us into the freedom of trusting Him and believing that He's sovereign in all things and yielding ourselves to the midst of our conflicts and trials and saying, not my will, but your will be done. And God can grant us forgiveness for the sin and God can expose it And he then can pour in the oil of his Holy Spirit to loosen its hold in our life. And then he can pour out the great flow of his blood washing us and cleansing us. And then he can give us the anointing of the life of Jesus Christ who blessed when he was cursed, who when he was reviled didn't revile himself. In a spirit of absolute resignment and a release into the will and purpose of the Father. By the way, the Lord Jesus prayed for those who came against them. And the Lord Jesus actually commands us here to pray for those who spitefully use us. And let me just suggest to you that in getting released from this spirit of resentment, what you ought to do is pray over every situation and circumstance and person who you actually think has brought harm into your life. Every person that you're tempted to feel resentment towards. Every person whose name, when they come through your mind, might even begin to nudge out the word fool. Right? Pray for them instead. Pray for them, not only for their sake, but that you might loosen hold of the attitudes of contempt and resentment that gather around your own life that rob you, will rob you of reward before the throne of Jesus Christ. 
By the way, I, I think there are individuals who say, well, you know, I'm not really resentful towards anything in particular. I just feel this growing resentment because of the wickedness and evil that's in the world. And I see people denying God and they're not doing the right thing. And God is being robbed of his glory. And the church is in such a state of moral decay. And I can't help but feel a sense of anger and resentment towards that. And I just want to give you one verse. It's James chapter 1, verse 20. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You're working against God's mission. You're working against the Spirit of God when you allow yourself to be consumed with resentment towards whatever the outcomes are and the actions around you. The Spirit is to pray. Here's what we've learned here, by the way. The way forward in victory in the Christian life is to never go forward as a victim. Never go forward as a victim. The way forward is to take responsibility for your own sins. To seek and find the forgiveness, the rich forgiveness that comes through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for those sins. And in that act, release from contempt and resentment all those that you've hold your attitude against into the freedom of knowing this God is in control and he's sovereign over your life. The remedy for contempt and resentment is responsibility before God, repentance of sins, forgiveness of sin, restoration in his love, Repentance and love go a long ways towards pulling us out of the rot of contempt, contempt and resentment in our lives. Well, let's bow our heads. No need to speak harsh or strongly. No need here to pound the pulpit. No need for rhetorical flourishes to drive the nail deeper. Lord, your spirit is present. He makes these things known. Thanks for joining us. For a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org or call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.